Okay, good morning. Glad to uh, see everyone again. Sorry we had a little break. There's been a number of conflicts over the last few weeks, but uh, grateful to study the Parsha again together with you. Even a difficult Parsha like Vayakil. Why is Vayakil a difficult Parsha? It's not difficult in terms of the uh, psukim, the verses per se. It's difficult because it's repetitive. It's redundant. Let's imagine uh, we, we read the Parsha, Vayakil Pekudeh, this week and next week, and we say, this seems so familiar. Not familiar as in we read it a year ago, familiar as in we read it two and three weeks ago. And of course the, uh, the glaring question of Vayakel is uh, that Vayakel and Pekudeh are essentially a repetition of Truma Tetzave. It's a redundancy, repeats everything, almost verbatim. And if you don't believe me, if you look through whether it's the Stone Chumash or your Mikros Gedolos, you'll notice that even our Meforshim, even the great editors of the Heliga Art Scroll, have so little to say. They essentially said it already on Truma, on Tetzava, on Vayakal, it's been there, done that. So if you look at, you look at the Stone Chumash, you have commentary on the first few pages, and after that you have text, there's no commentary. You can fly through the parsha, it's done. Nothing to say. They said it. You want to get into all of the uh, details of the, of the uh, description of the utensils, of the kalim, of the mishkan. You want to talk about how they're constructed, the materials they're constructed. You want to talk about their dimensions. You want to talk about their symbolism. It was all covered in truma. Which begs the question. And if you look in the Makros Kedolis, you'll see there's an occasional klayakar, there's a ramban, there's an anomaly, there's an a, uh, unusual grammar. So they have a little something to say. But usually you just flip through the pages. There's almost nothing, even Rashi was mute. There's nothing to say. Which begs the question. Why? Why repeat it? Why repeat it? And there's of course, there are of course many, many answers given. I'll tell you, begin by telling you the answer of Rav Pam that I love to quote every year because I find it very powerful. Rav Pam says, if you look at Truman, then you look at Vayakal, you look at the Tzav, and then you look at Pekudei, you'll see that it's almost exactly the same. The dimensions, the details, the, the big day kahuna. There's one fundamental difference. If you look in the Parsha Truma, what do you see the Torah telling us all the time? Over and over again, the language that it uses, V'asisa. V'asisa, V'asisa, V'asisa. You shall make, you shall fashion, you shall craft, you shall design, you shall put together, V'asisa, and you shall. If you look in Vayaka, Pakude, what do you see all the time? What word is described over and over and over again? Vayas. Vayasu. Vayas, Vayas, Vayas. What does Vayas mean? And he made. Vayasu. And they fashioned. And they did. Says Rav Pam. You know what the difference is between Truma and Vayakel, Tetzava and Pekudei? The commandment to do, in fact, was done. Sister of Palm, you know, we often begin a project with great excitement, with great zeal, with great enthusiasm. You set out on that mission, you have some design, you know, you're going to paint a certain room, you're going to build a certain thing in your garage, you're going to take on some new project, finish some book. So you started out with a lot of excitement, that new diet, that new exercise program. You're enthused. And then time goes on, and your excitement wanes, and you become depleted, and do you finish it? How many unfinished products are there, projects in our lives? How many unfinished diets and exercise programs, unfinished svarim, unfinished goals, unfinished efforts, unfinished initiatives? Says Rav Pam, it's so unusual, it's so unusual to complete what you set out to do, that it was worthy of repeating it all. It became from, it went from the tzivui, and went from, so shall you do, 
to Vayas, and so he did. Everything that they set out to accomplish was accomplished. The entire initiative of the Mishkan, of the Kalim, of the Big Day Kuhuna, was completed. To finish that marathon, to complete the goal, to get to the end, that in itself is so un- sadly unusual. It's worthy of celebration, it's worthy of repeating all these parshios, says Rav Pam. You know, the Masil Sasharim, he doesn't say this, Masil Sasharim, in his chapter on Zrizus, in his chapter on alacrity, says the Ramchal, there's two types of alacrity needed. There's two times you need Zrizus. You need Zrizus, you need alacrity and enthusiasm to begin something new. Get up off the couch, start that project, read that book, learn through Shas, start volunteering, start that diet. You need, you need Zrizus, you need to be Mizaris yourself to begin. But the Ramchal writes in that parak that halfway through that project, you need a second burst of Zrizus. Because the enthusiasm that you began with, that excitement of that project, dissipates. So to get across that finish line, you need a second burst of Zrizus. And the second Zrizus is harder than the first. Right? We have a Gemara says, that all beginnings are difficult. But the truth is, beginnings, we may face a lot of obstacles, but they're not difficult from the perspective of our will, our desire to do it. You're excited. You take something on, it's exciting. Then you hit a wall. You hit a wall. There's a proverbial wall that we hit in everything. To get over that wall or through that wall or around that wall, however you're going to get to the other side, depending on the circumstance, you need another burst of Zerizus. So that's, that's what the, uh, the Rapam says. You went from Cain to Asud to Vayas, so shall you do to they did. That's worthy of repeating all of these, all of these parshios. So how does Vayaka begin? Vayaka Moshe is called Daspan Israel, Vayomra Alayam, Ela Dvarma Shatsiva Hashem La Sosam. Moshe gathers all the Jewish people and he says, These are the words, these are the things that God has commanded you. We've studied in the past. Which are the things? Which are the things? He's about to go on to teach again the laws of Shabbos. That's followed by the laws of giving to build the Mishkan. So what are the Dvarim? Ela Hadvarim goes on what? Shabbos? The Mishkan? Both? Neither? My first of all, I have this discussion. So Moshe gathers all the people. This is unusual. So unusual, in fact, it's the name of the parasha, Vayakel, to gather. The root of the word Vayakel is kahal, an assembly, a community. He gathers the people. We don't see that elsewhere. What was so important? Shabbos? Mishkan? We already had that. We had it last week. Kisisa? We had Shabbos. We've had Shabbos over and over again. And yet, here it is again. We'll see in a moment why. So it gives Shabbos, Sheshes Yamim Tasem Six days you do work. The seventh day is holy. Shabbos Shabbason Lashem. A day of complete rest for God. If you violate that spirit of rest by doing creative labor, Malacha doesn't mean labor. You can walk to Shul and Boka in the summer, in July. That's labor, and yet you're allowed to do it. That's not what's forbidden on Shabbos. What's forbidden on Shabbos is creative labor. You're not allowed to light a fire in any of your dwelling places on Shabbos, on Shabbos. First of all, it's interesting, the Torah distinguishes how many categories of creative labor are there? 39. The 39. Where do we learn that from? How do you know? It's actually very interesting. Torah never tells you how many categories there are. Torah never tells you. Torah tells you, you can't do malach on Shabbos. No creative labor. God, God conquered, God created His world and then He 
rested, he was at peace with his world. We conquer his world. Torah tells us, Go and fill the world, and conquer it, and conquer it. We talked about on Shabbat Shuvah two years ago, at length, that for the Jew, work is not just a concession to the need to work. We don't just work. We don't just engage in creative labor because we need to feed ourselves. There's a value in work. Kivshua, go conquer the world. Analyze, in, uh, investigate, research, study, technology, medicine. Go conquer the world. Kivshua. We have an obligation. Work is not just a concession. It's a mandate. Kivshua, go conquer the world. So just like God created and then rested, we conquer the world. And like God, we are then at peace with the world. We seek to conquer it. We let the world be. We be. We're at rest. And we imitate God. And how do you do that? By stopping creative labor, says the Torah. You can't do malacha. Don't do creative labor. How do I know it's creative labor? Is walking creative labor? Talking creative labor? Imagining? Having creative ideas? What's creative labor? How do I know? We take for granted. Because in kids we all made projects, the Lama Tess Malachas. So we know. But how do you know? You know how our rabbis knew? They looked at Shabbos, appears right next to the building of the Mishkan. They said to themselves, hmm, you have to refrain on Shabbos from creative labor. The Egletal, the Sochet Shavu Rebbe, in his introduction to a Sefer, every Egletal explained this. If, if you have to refrain from creative labor, it means you have to refrain from that which makes you uniquely human, that which makes you special. Using your God-endowed talents, that's creative labor. Well, how do I know what's creative labor? Whatever went into building the Mishkan, could there be a more holy use for creative labor than the building of a Mishkan? Whatever was used in the building of the Mishkan, that's the definition of creative labor. So our rabbi said, well, let's go through the entire process of building the Mishkan and let's identify what were the activities, what were the creative labors necessary. Those, they counted them up, there were 39 of them. And they knew. Does that mean the Lama Tess Malachas are Durabana? No, they're Daraisa. They're biblically forbidden, but revealed through the rabbi's exegetical tools to be able to understand what were those categories. What were those categories? Now, I might have thought Rashi explains, look at Rashi and Pasuk uh, Bez. Why is Shabbos juxtaposed yet again to the Mishkan over and over again? Says Rashi, Hiktim la'em azhar Shabbos l'tzivu yimalechas ha-Mishkan. Shabbos is introduced again. Before the Mishkan, why? Because I might have thought, building the Mishkan, I'm building a sanctuary for God. This is the highest level. I'm escaping this world. The Mishkan becomes a place where I can go, where I'm elevating, transcending this world. Maybe the building of that vehicle to transcend the world supersedes Shabbos. Shabbos is I rest in this world. But I'm building a Mishkan, that's a spiritual habitat. That's a different world. That's a... That's a, a, a uh, portal to another world. So maybe that should supersede Shabbos. Says the Torah, no. The laws of Shabbos, the tzivoy, the obligation of Shabbos was given yet again before the Mishkan to say no. So our Chazal understood that whatever was defined as creative labor that goes into building the holiest place is the creative labor that we equally... So in other words, here are the two sides of this coin. This is what the Sochach Rebbe explains, he says, the same way that I honor God by using that creative labor to build his home, the Mishkan, I honor God by restraint, by refraining from those same creative labors on Shabbos. The same way I honor God, I build a sanctuary in, in space by using the creative labor, I build a sanctuary in time, Shabbos, 
by refraining from that creed of labor. It's very powerful. And you could elaborate. There's a lot more to say, but not for now. Why is Lo Savaruish? The 39 categories. Our rabbis looked and they said, planting and harvesting, and plowing and harvesting and grinding and winnowing and separating and selecting. And the 39 categories. No, grinding. So, why is only... Why is only Lo Savaruish mentioned? Why is only lighting a fire mentioned? And Rashi quotes two opinion. Is it There's different opinions why Lo Savaru is separated. But here is a fundamental difference, I've shared this before, between the Tztukim and the Prushim, between those who embrace Rabbinic Judaism and the Oral Torah, and those who follow strictly the written Torah, the Sadducees, the Tztukim. They looked at this pasuk. They said, "Lo and they understood it to mean that you cannot benefit from fire on Shabbos. So those who interpret the Torah literally and only literally would sit in the dark and eat only cold food and freezing cold all of Shabbos. You can't have fire. You can't benefit from fire. Come along, our rabbis, and understood. No, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? It says, "Lo you're not allowed to ignite. You can't light a new fire. But to benefit from an existing fire, the Torah never said is a problem. So you can leave the lights on from before Shabbos. You can leave a fire burning from before Shabbos for warmth. You can eat hot food on Shabbos day that is being heated through something lit from Erev Shabbos. And that is therefore a difference between those who embrace the Torah Shabbat Peh and the Torah Shabbat Sav. So much so, the Mishnah Baruch quotes in Shulchan Aruch, in his commentary, that there is a mitzvah. Somebody was visiting this past Shabbos and came to me and said they happen to be eating lunch at somebody's house who who's not, doesn't have any hot food. Didn't make a challenge, there's no hot food. I said, Rabbi, he said, do you have hot water in your office? I just want to drink something hot because there's a mitzvah, you have to eat something hot on Shabbos day. What was he talking about? Where is there a mitzvah you have to eat something hot on Shabbos day? Is a mitzvah to make challenge? The answer is yes. The fact that Jews eat challenge on Shabbos day is not just because we lived in cold climates. It's not just because we were in white Russia. We eat hot food on Shabbos day as an affirmation that we embrace the Torah Shabbat Peh. How can you eat hot food Shabbos day and yet be keeping Shabbos? How can a Shomer Shabbos person eat hot food on Shabbos day? Because they're benefiting from a fire that was lit before Shabbos. Ah, how can you benefit from a fire lit before Shabbos? Only if you follow the path of the Prushim, only if you believe in the Torah Shabbat Peh. So therefore the Mishnah Buddha says there's a mitzvah Cholent, Chamin. I actually once read a scholarly article, I forgot which journal it was written in, that traces the different types of Cholent across Jewish um, history, Jewish geographic locations, our dispersion across our, our, our ethnicity, you know, Sephardim, Ashkenazim, whether it's Cholent, Chamin, different recipes. Wherever you go in history that Jews lived, they had some type of Cholent. Some type of Cholent on Shabbos Day. Why? Because we're, we're followers of the Prushim. We're followers of the Rabbinic Judaism. We're followers of the Torah Shabbat Peh. All from this Pasuk. You can't light a fire. You can benefit from a fire. I'm not telling you, you have to have Cholent. Minag in my home growing up was in the summer months. We didn't have Cholent. The winter months we had Cholent. But you have a cup of tea. You have something hot. You find something hot to eat Shabbos day. So that you can say, I follow the Torah Shabbat Peh. Okay, then the, then the Parsha goes on, and here's where we get to the redundancy, the contributions to the Mishkan, Kechumetchem Truma, and, uh, and the same questions you could have asked in Parsha's Truma, why Kechu, it should say Tenu, you should give, why does it say you should take, and so on. We get into the construction, 
and we go through all the same. Uh, B'tzalel is uh, is um, recruited. God fills him with chachma, tfuna, and das. Those initials should be familiar to you. Chachma and uh, bina and das spell chabad. Right, I shared with you in the past. If you really learn the Tanya, most people assume, mistakenly so, that Chabad and Chasidus in general. We're actually going to get to this. I'm teaching the Gra and people of the book in a couple of weeks. They've only gone. Most people mistakenly assume that Chasidus is all about emotion, because they couldn't learn, so they dance and sing, and they think you know, Chabad, the Melachayims, that's Chasidus. But if you study Tanya, you see that Tanya is the Alter Rebbe over and over again. Chabad is Chach Mabina and Das. The whole foundation of the system is the intellect, is cognitive, is Torah study, is, is analysis, is in-depth learning. Everything else is built upon it, but that's the foundation that it's built on. Chochma, Bina, and Das, unfortunately, it's been perverted and misunderstood. So that's, B'tzalel is endowed with Chochma, Bina, and Das. We have no synonyms in the Torah, so what's the difference? Chochma, Bina, and Das, what's the difference between them? you got to look back on, on Rashi in, uh, elsewhere, he explains it. Chachma, Bina, and Das. What's the difference between the three? But he has to have those things in order to be able to build the Mishkan. And then we get into the work that begins. How it's designed, how it's built, the uh, the Caleb that go in it, the Aron, and the uh, the cover of the owner, Aron, the Kaporas, and then you have the Shulchan, and the Menorah, and the Mizbeach, and then you have the uh, the uh, Mizbeach HaOla, and then you have the Kior, and the Courtyard, and the end of the Parsha Vayako. And again, you see, it's all, turn the pages. It's all text, no Mepharshim, because we've been there, done that, we explained the Rav Palm why. So just as our Mepharshim struggled and conceded that there's not a lot more to add, I too have very few Mepharshim to work with. So instead, what I'd like to do for our time today, or our time that's left, is read a beautiful essay by the Slanam Rabbi on our Parsha. Because the Sophie Mepharshim, normally we go through the Mikros Kedolos together. We don't just share Vartlach. We go through the Mikros Kedolos to see how our Rishonim dissected our Psukim. But we don't have that luxury today. So instead I thought we'd go through. Slana Mareb is one of my favorite. Rishon Nach, Brzovsky, Zatzal. Slana Mareb was uh, is the, the Rebbe of Slanam, lived in Yerushalayim, Yerak Kodesh. When I was at different stages of my life, I enjoyed going to Hasidish Tishas in Yerushalayim. You can go to the Tishas of different Rebbes. So... There's a lot that's very elevating about going to a Rebbe's Tish. The bleachers packed with Hasidim. The Rebbe sits at his table. That the whole idea of a Tish is that after davening, you go home and eat. The Rebbe, who's so holy, is still davening, is still basking in the glow of Shabbos. By the time you're done with your meal, the Rebbe's ready to start his. And you, the Hasidim, join the Rebbe for his through the Shabbos. And you see him take Gashmias, you see him take the food and elevate it, transform it to the Kedusha. And you witness a holy person inject in... in, in endow the food with His holiness. That's the idea of Shirayim, that He's transformed that food with injecting His holiness, and you are able to ingest some of that by enjoying, by eating some of the Shirayim. It's not for everybody, but I believe that, you know, the Shivan Panam Torah, the 70 faces to Torah, we only gain, we don't lose out by exposing ourselves to the 70 faces. Doesn't mean you're going to start going to Tishas every Friday night, doesn't mean you're going to hold a Tish and become a Rebbe, but it's worthwhile to see. There are aspects and elements of it that we can all learn from. So it's worthwhile to see. So in my different stages of life and being in different places, I always try to see and, and, and share in different things. So a lot of tishes you go to, in, and they're... Uh, I didn't eat the shirayim. I don't know if you, you, know, you called me exactly a mafunak, but uh, shirayim were not for me. How, how did the shirayim get to you? Assuming you're not the guy sitting right next to the Rebbe, it gets passed. And often there's a lot of... There's not a lot of Purell going around the tish. Let's just put it that way. 
So um, the Slanam Tish was the only Tish I've ever been to. Plates and forks, they cut up, they put it, they pass it. It's like a mensch. So that's, and the Rebbe would deliver divrei Torah that, that were in Yiddish, but I was able to pick up a little bit and very, very sophisticated. So they recorded and, and now it's been published many, many of his divrei Torah. Nesiva Shalom are his divrei Torah on Chumash. There's volumes of Nesiva Shalom on the Moadim. There's Nesiva Shalom on different Midos, like Musar Sefer. There's Nesiva Shalom on Purim and Chanukah and Shovavim and on marriage and on Chinuch and on, uh, even on the Holocaust his understanding of the Shoah, and has published his, his writings on so many different things. A very fascinating individual. So that's the background. So here's the Nesiva Shalom. That's what you have Xerox. That's what you have copied in front of you. Well, Xerox, that's an old word. That's what you have uh, copied in front of you. And, uh, and we're going to look on this essay in Parshas Vayakel where he, d- he deals with these words Vayakel. Vayakel Moshe is called Das Bnei Yisrael. Vayomar aleim el advar mashetziv Hashem asos osam sheshe shamim tasem alachav v'yomashi yalachem shavas the first two psukim, we just read them. Moshe gathered everybody. He said, these are the things that God commanded you. It's unclear what these other things are. And then he continues, six days you work, conquer the world, seventh you rest, a holy day for Hashem. The Medrash quotes, if you look throughout the Torah, you will not find any commandment that's preceded by God telling Moshe, Moshe, gather everybody. There's no commandment where God says to Moshe, I want you to gather everybody. But that's not a tzivoy. Hakel. Hakel, is there a tzivoy that comes afterwards? Or it's Hakel, the experience of Hakel. Here there's a tzivoy. He adds, further needs to be explained. Why does This is what God commands you. What is la'asososam? Isn't it obvious if God commands you, He didn't command you to put it on a shelf. He didn't command you in theory. He commanded for you to do, to perform. So it's extraneous. Why do you have to use that word la'asososam? That's obvious. And moreover, some sounds like something that you have to do in the positive, something you have to perform. And then what's the very next words? Shabbos, what are you supposed to do? Shabbat Shabbason means, what are you supposed to perform? Gornished. Rest. Don't perform. Be still, be at rest. So what do you mean, la sososam? This is what God commands you to do. Do nothing. <laughs> Here's what God wants from you. Here's what God, the action He's asking you to take. Inaction. Makes no sense. Ask the Rebbe. V'nei parsha zunemar l'Yisrael, la'achar shenesfayis imam makosh baruchu acheta ego. What does this follow immediately? Kisisa. What did we see in last week's parsha? The tragic story, the narrative of cheta ego. The horrific story, we didn't get to study it last week, we didn't have Parsha class, we've studied it in the past, famous interpretation of the Kuzari and others, but Jewish people cheat on God on the wedding night. They just experienced Tarsina, they stood under the chuppah with Hashem, they entered this covenant, and they cheat. Chete Egel, they worship the Egel. So Moshe goes and he says, you have to forgive God. I know they're miserable, I know that they, they're incorrigible, but... You have to forgive him, if not, erase me from your book. 
Kosh Baruch Hu forgives them, he's mefayes, he is appeased. Says the Rebbe, this parsha of Vayakel comes on the heels of that appeasement. When did Moshe gather everyone to give this commandment to act within action? When was it? The day after Yom Kippur. Right when Moshe descended from the mountain. So from the fact that this parsha was given, immediately after Moshe appeases God, God is, is, is there's, they're reconciled. You understand, says the Rebbe, that implicit within this parsha is the secret, is the formula for how to appease God, for how to reconcile after we fail Him. So where's the appeasement? What's the method? What's the strategy? How can we reconcile with God? How can we make God willing to take us back even after a, a mistake so great that the Torah calls it a chata gedola, a great mistake. A great mistake. So to answer these questions, says the Rebbe, Api, what it says, B'Sefer HaKadosh Noim Ali Melech, Rebbe Ali Melech of Lezhinsk. He quotes from another Hasidish, Rebbe the Noim Ali Melech. Says the Noim Ali Melech, Be'inyan ma'ashar kodem kiyam kol mitzvah omrim, l'shem yichud b'shem kol Yisrael. So, just as an aside, it's not so posh. Hasidim introduced the minog, that before you do a mitzvah, you say, l'shem yichud kudshu brichu, and in that language is b'shem kol Yisrael. That you focus and you elevate and you say, we're doing this mitzvah b'shem kol Yisrael on behalf of all the Jewish people. Those who attend people of the book, when we a few months ago studied the Nodab Yehuda, Rabbi Cheskalanda, Zecher Tzalek Levracha, Rabbi Cheskalanda was a great opponent of Hasidus. He was a great opponent of Hasidus. In fact, he was cursed by the Hasidim that his descendants would be Hasidim. And many generations later, his, his anical, his great-great-great-great-grandson lives in our community, Harold Landa. His father was a chassid. He'll tell you the whole story anyway, that it was, that it was fulfilled. So the Nodab Yehuda, in one of his famous tshuvas, one of his most famous tshuvas, writes in opposition. One of his criticisms of, of the chassidim is that they introduce this new, this new formula to say before you do a mitzvah. That in the unity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we focus and we're going to elevate through this. And why do chassidim say they're going to do it? Why'd they add that formula? Because they said, ah, we've become creatures of rote and habit and routine. You do the mitzvah, you don't even know what you're doing. So if we introduce this formula, we're going to focus. Before we do it, it's going to focus us. And therefore the mitzvah will fulfill its purpose, the deeper meaning and understanding. We're going to give the action some meaning. Says the Nadab Yehuda, we already have words that we use before we do a mitzvah that comes to accomplish that goal. What are those words called? The bracha. Before you do a mitzvah, you have a birchas ha-mitzvah. Al natilas lulav. Laniach tefillin. Whatever the bracha, the whole purpose of the bracha is to focus you, to remind you that what you're doing is not just a mundane action, but is a mitzvah. So then the Behuda rails against it and he says, this is an example of a newfangled idea they came up with. Who says you should do it? And he's absolutely in, in uh, opposition. He absolutely says, you should not say, So anyway, but this one Rebbe obviously is from the Hasidic camp where they continue to say it, many continue to say it, some people aren't Hasidim all year round, except Pesach night, at the Seder, say, right? then all of a sudden everybody comes a Hasid at the Seder, you sing, 
It's a whole thing. There's a big uh, halachic. Many people, if you look in the Siddur, Hindi Mukham Zun, Lakaimitz, as I say, Shosvira Saomer. Before you count Sphira, some people say it. But Salvechik was very opposed there. Why? Because we paskin that Sphira Saomer Bismanazeh, Sphira Saomer today, there's a big machlokas, Rambam Rabban, is Sphira revolve around the Korban Omer? Sphira, what we do is it revolve around the counting? Does it depend on the counting to be biblical? Therefore, you need, I'm sorry, the, the sacrifice, the Korban Omer, so you need a base on Mikdash for it to be biblical. What, what does it depend upon? But we paskin Sphira Saomer Bismanazeh Durabanan. Now when we count Sphira, it's a rabbinic fulfillment when we don't have the Temple. So says Rabbi Salavechik, how could you possibly say It's a lie. You're not fulfilling a mitzvah saseh, a biblical commandment. It's rabbinic. So there's been a lot of opposition. It's one of the consistent debates between the Hasidim and people like Rabbi Salavechik, the Briskers, the Litvaks, whether you say it, whether you don't. Chabad doesn't say it. Only before Baruch Okay, because Chabad, Chachma, Bino, and Das, they don't say it. So, the Naim Ali Melech, anyway, did say it, and Hasidim did say it, despite the Noda Behuda's opposition. So, included. Whatever your family did. Sing it, it's nice, whatever your family did. Whatever your family did. So, the um, Rabbi Soloveitchik wasn't a fond of singing it at the Seder either, but that's okay. So, anyway, so the Naim Ali Melech, Rabbi Ali Melech of Lejins, did say it, and in that formula are these words, Bishem Kol Yisrael. Within the Yichud, within this is the Shem Yichud called B'Shem Kol Yisrael on behalf of the Jewish people. Shebechol Pam Sheyehudi Osa Mitzvah Harei Mefari Sheosazos B'Shem Kol Yisrael. So at least those who recite the formula, every time you do a mitzvah, you're introducing the mitzvah by saying, "I do this mitzvah on behalf of all the Jewish people." Why? You're doing this mitzvah for you. You have an obligation to do the mitzvah. You're so holy. You do it on behalf of everybody. You're responsible for everybody. Umivari explained Kyayachid Lavado Eich Yuchal Kayim Mitzvah. Hari Adam ain't sadly barta shayasatovalo yachata. Bacha shachata eich yuchal kayim mitzvah ba usama ivarim shapagam bahem. Beich tishrak dushal usama ivarim shishtamash pem neged ratsana shemisbarh. Says the Naimali Malach, the truth is, as an individual, what right do you have to do a mitzvah? How hypocritical could you be? Ain Adam, there is no person, says Kowal Shlomo Amalach. None of us are perfect. We all make mistakes, and the mistakes we make, we make with our limbs. We speak Lashonara, we listen to Lashonara, we walk and pursue the wrong things, we taste the wrong things, we use our body, to, and we make mistakes. Nobody's perfect. There's no one who's... So if we make mistakes, those very limbs with which we rebel those very limbs with which we defy God's will, we're now going to present ourselves as if we're doing a mitzvah. It's so duplicitous. Where do we think we have the right to do this mitzvah? What gives us the goal? What gives us the brazenness to do the mitzvah? Said the Nomel Melch, you know why? Because there's also a world called the Jewish people. When you are Amech, when you tap into the covenantal community, when you connect with that which is greater than ourselves, when you see yourself as part of a whole, transcending your individual self, the whole is righteous. Why? Because when you connect to the community, the community is a group of individuals complementing one another. 
Where I failed, you succeeded. Where you struggle, I excel. When you combine us together, we make a perfect whole. So when you're viamich, when we're a community, when we connect, kulam tzadikim, then we present ourselves as one righteous, perfect whole. At the level of amich, at the level of kihila, at the level of tzibur, we have a level of righteousness and of kedusha and of perfection that as individuals we could never attain. We could never attain. That's why we daven b'tzibur. Why is there such a higher level of davening tefillah b'tzibur? Tefillah b'tzibur. What's the value of tefillah b'tzibur? Some people say, b'tzibur, they fly through davening, I can't keep up, there's schmoozing in the back, this one's looking at his cell phone. I daven much better when I'm at home by myself. And yet we still tell that person, go to shul. Moshe is a tshuva, a person claims, I daven better be a chidah, should I go to shul? Absolutely. Daven b'tzibur, nice try, you gotta go daven b'tzibur anyway. Why? Because when I'm at home and I present myself to God as a lone individual, God says, get me his file. Get me her file. Let me see exactly their virtues, their merits, the demerits. Let me see what they're worthy of. But when we connect with the tzibur, then we, our entire stock goes up. I always give the analogy, it's like the stock market. There are stocks that nothing changes about the company, and yet their value goes up or down based on the sector they belong. So the tech sector is up that day, that stock goes up. Oh, did they, did they report greater income, profits? No. Did they come out with a new product? No. Nothing changed from yesterday when the stock was down. The only difference today is they're part of a sector that went up. So we have to choose what sector we want to be part of. Because we go up or down based on the sector that we identify, that we associate with. So when you daven b'tzibur, you're presenting yourselves as part of a whole. Which is why the whole philosophy of davening is to add layers and layers of tzibur. Not only am I davening with the people that I'm in that room with, where do I face when I daven? No matter where you are in the world, you face Israel. If you're in Israel, you face Yerushalayim. If you're in Yerushalayim, you face Harabayis. If you're at Harabayis, you face the place of the Kodesh HaKadoshim. Which in fact, that's why you'll see some people when they stand at the Kotel, daven on an angle towards the left. Davening towards Kodesh HaKadoshim. If you daven straight, you're not facing Kodesh HaKadoshim. You're not in fulfillment of that halacha. So there's a you know, discussion which way to face exactly. But, so what are we doing? Wherever you face in the world, you're all facing the same point. So you're connecting to a geographic tzibur, beyond just who's in that room with you. When we daven, do we say in our vernacular, do we daven in English, in our, in our um, familiar language? We daven in Hebrew, why? Because we're davening in the same language. If the Ramban came back to life tomorrow and attended chakras here, he'd fit right in. It would be entirely familiar. For Akiva came back to life tomorrow and Davin Shachris with Davin Mincha with us, it'd be totally familiar to him. What a powerful image, what a powerful tool that unites Jews transcending time, transcending space to create another layer and layer and layer of tzibur, higher and higher and higher communities. By the way, that's why there's a halacha. If you can't make it to shul for whatever reason, if you can't make it to shul for whatever reason, you should daven at the same time the minions davening. Even if you're at home, there's a value to, you look at the schedule, oh, there's an 8.30 minute, 7.45, let me daven at the same time they're davening at shul. In fact, there's a new effort being put out. I think it's being done under the OU. It's a little controversial. I have my concerns about it. But it's done with the Haskama of Rav Shechter and others to create shuls that are putting in cameras so that somebody who's unable to go to Minyan, if they daven at home, will be able to follow online. The question, can, is that considered filah b'tzibur? Can it replace tefillah b'tzibur? It can't replace tefillah b'tzibur, but it can replace tefillah im ha-tzibur. 
nobody denies the Shulchan Aruch, the Mishnah Bur, are clear that there's a concept of fila imatzibur, that even if you can't make it to shul, you should daven at the same time the minions davening. So this is taking that to a higher level. Now, of course, my concern is you're not going to go to shul. <laughs> Honey, turn on the computer. Is it 8.30 yet? I'm davening in the living room, right? So on the one hand, there's that grave concern. But on the other hand, think what you'll do for the homebound, for someone who's in the hospital, for someone who's in the rehab center, for somebody who's unable to go to shul, somebody who's traveling on business, and now on their iPhone, and now on their iPad. They could go in, they're davening. I know B'nai Shirin is having it, and uh, they've asked us to have it, and there's this effort with Rav Shechter, Zaskama, and some other postkim as well. Tefillah imatzibur, because when you're connecting with the kahal, when you're connecting with the kol, then you're elevating to a layer that, level that transcends. Don't the demerits also? So I guess the idea is that the merits complement one another to make a perfect whole that outweigh and that negate the demerits. We hope they outweigh and negate the demerits. By the way, this is why it's very important to choose what minion you daven, what shul you go to. That's why it's important what, what minion you go to and what shul you daven with. Because you want to be with people, you're confident that when you combine the merits and demerits in that room, that they'll, they'll outweigh. So let's just get back to the Salaam Rabbi. He hasn't answered our questions. Again, his question is, Vayakel, the Yalkut Shimoni says, this is the only time that, that God tells Moshe, gather everybody before he gives him a tzibur. The tzibur he gives him is, is to do something. What does he say? And what's the thing you do? Is do nothing. That was question number two. This is Pius. This comes the day after Yom Kippur. This has to do with how they reconciled. Where is the methodology? Where is the strategy for reconciliation? Those were the three questions. So it begins with the Noam Elimelech, that when you do a mitzvah, you introduce it, B'Shem Kol Yisrael, because this idea when we connect with the Kol, with the Tzibur, as a Yachid, we're fallible. We have deficiencies. We have demerits. But when we connect with the Tzibur, we're connecting with a more perfect whole. The Amech Kulam Tzadikim, when you are ve'amech, when you connect with the nation, with the people, then you're kulam tzaddikim, he says. Ki achata misyachsim rak liyechidim. Shekol prat chotei b'fnei atzmo. Ach b'klolos Yisrael e'en chaytu pesha. Ve'en shultan asitra ach rasho lo'italayim. V'lachin kasher Yehudi nigash l'kayim mitzvah harei omer b'shem kol Yisrael. V'kololos atzmo b'klolos Yisrael. Sha'az e'en chayt ve'en pesha u'v'koch l'kayim mitzvah mitzvah. When a Jew goes to do a mitzvah, he says to God, I am here as part of and connected with the whole Jewish people. So if you didn't do that, says the normal Imach, God looks at you and says, you're here to do a mitzvah. You just ran in from doing an Avera. And after the mitzvah, you're about to run out to do another Avera. And you think I'm ready to accept your mitzvah because now you're pausing in between Averas to do a mitzvah. What kind of relationship is that? But when you come in and you say, I'm here and I see myself, myself as part of Klal Yisrael, a greater whole, and combine us together, we're trying to do the best that we can. Baruch says, I welcome, I welcome the Jewish people, even if as an individual you have faults. Says the Slanam Rebbe, this was Moshe's message when he came off that mountain. By the way, you like that Lashon HaKadosh Baruch Hu Ne'etar. Anyone who does the daf. You do the daf yesterday. Sukkah Yudalad. It says... Why does it use the lotion of eter, eter, a pitchfork? So the Gemara said, by why say vayeter Yitzchak l'Hashem l'Nochach Ishtau? Yitzchak davened. It likened his davening to a pitchfork, just like a pitchfork is mahapeches atfua. A pitchfork turns over the hay. So too, davening turns it from midas 
Adin to Midas Arachim. That's why Yitzchak's davening is described as a Gershbarchu Neetar. He is he is appeased. He's convinced. We have the davening as the potency, the capacity to convince God. So the Vakash is a chet ego isach is a klai Yisrael yos nechshav shaklai chata el a kechet shakoyachedu beprapef neatzmo. When Moshe came down, he told the Jewish people, "You know how I convinced God? I went up there, and God said they're incorrigible, they're impossible. I've had it. I'm done with them." Moshe said, "God, be done with them as individuals, but as a group, as a tzibur, as a community, don't hold them accountable. As individuals, they're fallible." As individuals, they're human, they make mistakes, but as a tzibur, as a tzibur, God, don't give up on them. Don't give up on them. And that's the message Moshe brings down. He says, I want you to know how I accomplished achieving forgiveness for you because you need to know going forward when you make mistakes, hopefully not as great as Cheta Egel, you need to know the formula to achieve that forgiveness. And that's why it says when Moshe comes down from the mountain. And what, what day was it following? The day of Yom Kippur, the day of appeasement with God. What's his message? Everybody come together. I need to tell you the, the strategy, but I need to show you the strategy. Not just tell you. You have to come together. Vayakel, be a kahal, be a unit. He showed them that there is a world, there is a concept called the people. So what's Moshe's first act when he comes on the mountain? He gathers them together to create a sense of unity. And this is how you understand the Israel. So what's the Vayas? What is the Torah telling us when it says What's the action he's being called for? It's not Shabbos. Shabbos is inaction. Shabbos is Shabbos Shabboson. Shabbos is refrain is restraint. So what's the Lahasososam? The la'asos sum is going on. Vayakel. Vayakel, la'asos sum. Where is the call for action? To be a community. Act as a community. Be a community. Step up and step into community. And that's how you'll earn God's forgiveness. Shabbos, that's inaction. The La'asososam wasn't going on Shabbos, says the Slana Marebi. The La'asososam is going on Vayakel. And this is how you understand. When it says the Jewish people sinned, Lahoros to teach Tshuva, Lorabim. To teach Tshuva to the masses. Which simply understood means teach the masses how to do tshuva when the masses as individuals make mistakes. But he says no. He reinterprets the Gemara of Avodah How do you do tshuva? By becoming rabbim. You do tshuva by going from rabbim to yachid. By going from individuals to a community. That's how you do tshuva. The Sitra Akhra, however you define it, the dark side, the Yitzhahara, 
the, the prosecutor, however you define the sitra achra, can only impact the individual. You cannot be, we are not vulnerable to the dark side, to the force, when we are part of something greater than ourselves. Being part of a tzibur creates a force field around you, which is impenetrable. As the Gemara Baruch says, when you're more than one, you're not vulnerable. The Rebbe Neklisk, that's why we saw this also recently in the Dafyomi at the end of Yuma. When a person is um, stricken with illness, with, with, with challenge, should they keep it to themselves or should they share it? The Gemara says that you should share it. Why should you share it? So others can daven for you. As a Yachid, if you keep it to yourself and you're going through it yourself, it's overwhelming. But when you share it with others and now you have the community on your behalf, you increase your chances of success. You don't have to ask for Rachamim, because the Rachamim is bestowed just by connecting with the Tzibur. Okay, so that's point number one. All that's the introduction. That's point number one. Point number one is Vayakel. Now you understand why he joins them together. Because it's Yom HaMacharas, it's the day after Yom Kippur. He's teaching them how appeasement works, how you reconcile with Hashem. Now you understand La'asososom is not going on Shabbos. It's going on. It's going on Vayakel. Now you understand this is the one place that says Vayakel. Next. So what does Moshe do right after he teaches them Vayakel? He goes to two mitzvos. And what are those two mitzvos? Those two mitzvos are expressions of ways that we display vayakel. There are ways that we show la'asososam. How do you actively connect with community? Two ways. Shabbos and Mishkan. As Chazal say, The Medrash and B'Rish Rabbah says, Sunday and Monday are a pair. I don't sound like uh, happy days over here. But Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Shabbos comes to God and says, I'm all alone. I'm lonely. Who's my company? Who's my companionship? Sunday is Monday, Tuesday is Wednesday, Thursday is Friday. What about me? Says the Medrash, Kodesh Baruch, who comes and says to Shabbos, you know who your pair is? Knesset Yisrael, the Jewish people. The unity Jews show on Shabbos, right? When is the shul filled more than any other day of the week? When are people eating meals in one another's homes? When are people sharing time together? Shabbos is community. Shabbos is synonymous with community. When do we earn being Shabbos's mate? When we display unity and community. When is it Shabbos Achim Gam Yachad? When are we a community? Shabbos. That's when you connect with community. You don't experience Shabbos in isolation. You can, but you're missing something about Shabbos. 
couple Shabbos ago, I took a Shabbos off. The first time since the summer, I take one a winter. So Yechavad and I went away for a Shabbos. So there were some encouraging me. You know, you take a Shabbos off. Take Shabbos off. Your whole life is shul. Being a rabbi, so take Shabbos off. You don't have to go to shul. And there was a piece of me that desperately wanted that. Leave aside the tefillah b'tzibur and the halachas and minyan and kriyas Torah. Leave aside all the religious stuff for a minute. Right? Which is important. I'm not dismissing it. But you go away. So we, we stayed at a place that uh, was a mile from a Chabad. I had to go to Shul Shabbos morning. Why? First of all, because of the halachas. But because Shabbos, even on vacation, even when your life is Shul, Shabbos, it's, it's, if you're not connected to some aspect of community, it's not Shabbos. That's what the, that's what the Salam Rebbe is saying. He's saying, yeah, you can observe Shabbos, you can, you can restrain, refrain from the Lama Techs Malachos of Shabbos, even when you're by yourself on a, on a deserted island. But if you're not connected with community, with the Jewish people in some way, you're missing Shabbos. I came back after Shabbos, and my five-year-old, six-year-old, she said to me, Abba, I went to Shul Shabbos when she said to a friend, and she said, I didn't understand why everybody was there. If you were away, why was everybody still in Shul? <laughs> She thought everybody was taking you off. If I'm off, then the shul is closed. It was the cutest thing in the world. I said, no, no. The shul goes on. It has nothing to do with me. People start to daven. She didn't understand how the whole thing works. It was really funny. Anyway, so there's, a, there's an aspect of community. There's an aspect of community. I'll tell you just as an editorial aside, I think this is missing the shtibel phenomenon in many communities where instead of having communal shuls and communal experiences and a drasha and a kiddush and community, in someone's basement there's a shtibel. In somebody's living room there's a shtibel mentality. People come, they daven, they get out of there, and they, they love the fact that they don't have to connect with community. Got my minion, I fly through daven, there's my drasha, there's that, and I get out of there. It's, it's losing something about Shabbos. You're not just losing something about community, you're losing something about Shabbos. I'm not talking about Friday night minyanim, right? Freddie Fish is here, he knows we grew up with a... The sweat minion. I'm not talking about convenience minyanim. I'm talking about Shabbos day. I'm talking about Shabbos. You have to connect with community on Shabbos. There has to be something that brings you together as community on Shabbos. Otherwise, you're missing something in Shabbos. It's, it's not Shabbos. And what's the other aspect of community, which is not co- coincidental, says the Slama Rebbe that's brought next? Mishkan. Ha Mishkan Nivne Yisrael. Everybody had to contribute. The Machetz is a shekel. Why'd you only give half a shekel, he goes on to say? Because only in combination with someone else do you become a whole. Everybody's a half shekel. Only in combination with someone else do you become a whole. The Mishkan was built on community. The Mishkan was built on the recognition that individuals couldn't build the Mishkan. You're only a half by yourself. Only when you combine with others do you become a whole. The Mishkan is predicated on the idea of community. So right after Vayakel, Moshe says, Chait Ha'egel was only repaired through Vayakel. And right after Vayakel, God gives them a tzivoy. You need to Vayakel. You need to, community is a value. Community is not just nice. It's a value. You move to a community. Young people aren't being taught this. Parents aren't teaching their children when they get married. When you move to a community, join a shul. Forget what dues cost or you can't afford it or you need to go on dues adjustment. But membership. You know when young people join the shul? The third year they live there and they have a baby and they need the bris to be announced. That's when all of a sudden they join. They've been enjoying the minyanim and the kiddush and everything until then. But nobody taught them that you join a shul. You can only give $100 a year, give $100 a year. But you join a shul. Community is a Jewish value. Vayakel, asososam. You have to be actively part of a community. And how are you actively part of a community? First, Shabbos. Sheshes Yamim. 
And then Mishkan, the building of Mishkan, the building of the shul, the connection with community. Skip to the next paragraph, we're running out of time. What was the problem of Chetam Maraglam that could not be repaired? How come Moshe couldn't come back with a positive verdict? He also went to God after Chetam Maraglam and he said, got bad news for you. 40 year sentence. 40 year sentence in the Midbar. Why couldn't he get off? Why couldn't he get parole? Again, says the Rebbe, because with Chetam Maraglam, it was the Chet of the Tzibur. It wasn't the Yechidim. It was the community. It was Kla Yisrael. It was the Nesim. It was the heads of the tribe who failed with Chetam Araglim. It was the community as a whole. When the community as a whole failed, he couldn't achieve Kapara for that. What was the mistake of the Machlokas of Korach? He continues. Korach violated, Korach defied this notion of Klai Yisrael. He said, Every individual is holy, Moshe. What do you need this whole thing called the covenantal community? Knesset Yisrael. Each of us are holy, we're equal. We each have our own opinions, we each have our own thoughts, we each have our own common sense. We're all equally holy. He says, As opposed to Klai Yisrael Kulam Kedoshim. That was the mistake of Korach. And he continues on the next page. This is what the holiday of Purim is all about. As we're now within the month of Purim, Shloshim Yom Kodem Lachag. Why were we vulnerable? Haman, Haman smelled a vulnerability. Why did he think he could wipe us out? What was our vulnerability? What does he go and tell Achashverosh? Yeshna Am Echad, Mifuzar Umiforad. First of all, we gave a drush a few years ago. The Gemara says, what does Yeshno mean? Yeshenim. There's a nation asleep. There's a nation asleep. Right? We talked about that with Iran a few years ago. There's a nation asleep. We're vulnerable when we're asleep. When we're apathetic. When we're complacent. When we don't realize the threats against us. But Yeshno am echad mifuzar u mifurad bein ha'amim. What does mifuzar u mifurad mean? Scattered. They lack achtus. They're fighting, they're marginalizing, they're dismissing, they're one-upping, they're negating, they're delegitimizing one another. Ein Yisrael, they lack Vayakel. When does Haman see us as vulnerable? When we lack Vayakel. And what does Esther tell Mordechai? What is the antidote? Lech kinos kola Yehudim. Go gather everybody together. Hakel. Esther called for Hakel. Go fast and daven for three days. Lech kenos kola Yehudim. We're in trouble. How are we going to get God on our side? How to create that impenetrable force field? What's our ultimate bitachon? What's our security? Lech kenos kola Yehudim. Hakel. Community. How do you get salvation? By connecting with, with, um, by connecting with the cloud, and he then goes on and says, "This is what we say in davening: Barchenu Avinu Kulam Keechad Bor Panecha." What's Barchenu Avinu Kulam Keechad? Avinu Keechad. Only when we're Keechad, that's when you are Vinu, our Father. When we act as your children, Keechad. Notice, if you as an, a parent can become, a parent can become disappointed in a child. But if the children come together as one whole, as one unit, it's hard for a parent not to 
if the children are together. The very togetherness of the children, the very, the very unity of the children, it's very hard for the parent to remain upset. So that's the strategy. Be children. Present ourselves as a unit together. Vayakel la'asososam. Korban Pesach has to be eaten b'chabura. How do you celebrate redemption? Can you eat the Korban Pesach alone? Remember Pesachim. You can't eat the Korban Pesach alone. B'chabura. You have to be part of a unit. Because redemption happens when you see yourself as part of a unit, not when you see yourself in isolation and alone. So says the Salam Rebbe, that's what Parshas Vayakil is all about. And that's why it was worthy of being repeated after Kisisa. It's different than Truma. Truma was Shabbos in the Mishkan before Chaita Egel. Vayakil is Truma in the Mishkan after Chaita Egel. It's how we repaired the relationship, and it's the secret to repairing the relationship going forward. La'asososam. Community is not a value we take for granted. Community is not a value that happens passively. La'asososam. Community is a value that has to be pursued. It takes action. It takes activity. It takes being invested in it. Have a fantastic week. Rabbi Moskowitz, last minute.